Hi everyone, Lucy Kippers here. I'm the editor of Flying Solo and the host of this podcast where we peek inside the everyday lives of our inspiring small business community. It's no secret we're all glad to see the end of 2020 and with a brand new year in our sights, many of us are also keen to expand on the lessons we've learnt about running our small business. Today's guest is David King. He's the founder of family confectionery business Sticky and is one such business owner. He joins us on the podcast today to share some of the key lessons he's learnt last year and how they're impacting his plans for moving into the future. David, welcome to Flying Solo. Thanks, Lucy. Um, Yeah, thank you for inviting me. It's a, a real pleasure. Firstly, let's just talk about your business and how you came to start it. Sticky is a small manufacturer and retailer of handmade confectionery. We started in 2001, so that makes us about 19 years old. We started with a a retail space in the rocks. It's a little bit unique as as a business in that it's very theatrical. So everything we sell in store, we manufacture in front of the customer. And we've had some fantastic years and some shocking years. And, uh, and that's sort of who we are and who we came to be. I was a lawyer originally, but I've always had visions of uh, running my own business uh, for my sins, for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. um, and and now, now I do. <laughs> now you do. Well, congratulations. Can I just put in a, a, a massive word for uh, Rachel, my, my far better half and far smarter half who does so much of uh, the heavy lifting of what we do? That's a lovely, lovely thing to add. So obviously last year threw all of us a lot of curveballs, but how did the pandemic affect you guys at Sticky? Our shop's in the Rocks, which is a tourist precinct. Our business has always been a little diversified in that we, we have a retail business, we market to events and to corporate promotions. And even through dropping tourism that we saw through the bushfires in the early part of 2020, uh, the business was busy. We were we were not quite at capacity probably, but pretty close to. And then in March, really in the, over the space of about five days, revenue dropped to zero. It wasn't a 50 or a 60 or an 80% drop. Everyone cancelled their weddings. Every corporate event was cancelled. Uh, and the international and domestic tourists that would have made up our retail business in any normal year uh, fell, off the, fell off the edge. So we, we literally went to zero. A lot of the businesses around us did in the rocks as well, and we were we were about to really just pull down the shutters and pray. At that time, it hadn't been announced, but pray that something like JobKeeper would come along that might see us through to the other side. And there was a, there was a fair bit of despair in March. Absolutely, you can, and very understandably so. So, what was sort of the first action that you took with your team to adapt? to meet those challenges? We've always had a small but kind of loyal following on social media that's built up over the years, um, particularly on Facebook. So at that time we had, I think, close to 90,000 followers on Facebook and there was this idea, there was a, a bit of a group effort. We were standing in our empty store thinking, what do we do? Maybe there's some way to take the theatrical side of what we do and maybe there was a chance that it might translate well into a a digital online format, a live streaming effort. We started on Instagram first and then moved pretty quickly to Facebook because we had more followers there. But it was really taking an iPhone and leaning it up against the glass and really just doing what, what we'd always done, but doing it for who knows. We we had no idea. There were, were 10 people and then there were 20 people and then there were 60 people and then all of a sudden, we had 20,000 people 
watching us and the follow account kind of went mental and pretty soon we went from zero revenue to kind of a, a revenue stream that we thought might sustain the business potentially. Um, and I, I guess that was the, the first thing. It was originally and, and still to a certain extent it was about survival. Just give something a go when you've got nothing to lose. Necessity is the mother invention. And, and I was just, well, why, why not? Um, so it really, it really was that simple. It was, it was stick a phone up. We, none of us had any experience in, in broadcast or really in, in proper social media. It had always been a little bit of a side thing to what we did, but we decided that if there was a, a customer base for us, it wasn't going to come from where our traditional customer base had been. We were going to have to find a new one and invent it ourselves. Yeah, which is such great thinking, really, in a time of stress to have that perspective. <laughs> and I think that... That's what well, I, I honestly think that's what serves the success is if you can take that approach. Look, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to take some kind of genius marketing credit for the idea. I think that rather than super smart, it was, there, there was a certain amount of bravery involved in terms of putting yourself out there as a, an online presence rather than what we'd done for 19 years of being a bricks and mortar store. Yeah. Not that smart, but kind of, kind of. There was there was a little bit ballsy. Absolutely, a little bit. I think absolutely courage, very courageous. And I think you know, thinking about your brand, one of the benefits clearly is it's visually very enticing. Oh, it is. And look, particularly in this time where a lot of people internationally here here as well, but internationally, particularly in Europe and and the United States and and South America, and it's been a pretty dark time, and people have been in a pretty dark place. What we do is by very definition, kind of whimsical and unimportant. I think that's tapped into something that's that people are looking for. We, we it's, it's like an escape. Uh, and being here in Sydney where the virus has been managed extraordinarily well, for a lot of people it was, look, here's a little corner of the world where they're making candy and having fun and talking rubbish and interacting with people on the screen. Uh, and it's like for, for that little one hour there's, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. And I think that's... that's been absolutely key. I think that that's that's one of the things that's that's really driven it. As we've grown and and the success has grown, there's kind of a narrative that our story has had that hasn't mirrored, but it's it's coincided with the the narrative and the story of of the virus. So as things have sort of collapsed around people's lives and all the terrible things going on in the world, including political upheaval and we've sort of grown in just being as lovely as we can. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's such a powerful thing, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, for one of a much better expression, it's sort of like the power of distraction. The power of distraction too. Um, what, I've, what I've learned about social media and, and never having really been a fan of social media until it, it became my business model, but the, what, what people respond to with us, I think, is a mix of two things. It's process and personality. There's, there's other people who are making candy and making videos of it. But we seem to have tapped into this thing, like we've captured the human in it. So we've given our staff encouragement to uh, bring their personalities with them. And I think a lot of brands and businesses tend to ignore the social side of social media. Mm. They tend to really focus on the media side of media. Mm. Where, where is your ad spend best spent? Uh, how do you specifically target the audience you want to target and forget that what a lot of people out there are looking for, particularly at the moment, is community and that if you can... If you can introduce them to your little community and and engage with their little community, all of a sudden it's a it's a bigger community, and the social side of social media kind of takes care of takes care of itself because you've got these people 
it, there's a lot of work to engage properly properly on social media platforms, and we do it across four different platforms at the moment. People want to see the human in your business. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the most compelling part. So when you say you use four platforms, are you referring to that you're using Facebook, Instagram? It was Facebook and Instagram initially. Then my daughter, who was 17 at the time and doing her HSC, said you've really got to have a TikTok. Um, and I, didn't, I had no idea what TikTok was. Uh, I, I wasn't reluctant, but it, it, it didn't seem like an obvious idea to me at the time. At the end of May, we started a TikTok, a sticky Australia TikTok. And that just blew up. That just went crazy, crazy viral. A week in, we had 13,000 followers and we were absolutely marvelling at what an extraordinary thing that was. And then it really blew up. And then it went, you know, all of a sudden it grew by about one and a half million over the course of about five days. Wow. Melted down our website and caused all sorts of technical and logistical issues. But yes, yes, it was. So, so yes, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and it became very clear to me putting all your eggs in one basket in social media is potentially as problematic as anything else. So we started a YouTube and that's, that's now at about 26,000. So about 660 on Facebook, 120 on Instagram, 626 on YouTube and about 3.2 million now on TikTok. Wow, that is just phenomenal. And you sound so calm about it. It's, it's, well, it's good that I'm 50, quite honestly. It's a weird kind of celebrity where no one really recognises you or anything because most of, our, most of our supporter and follower base is in the US or in Canada or around the world. I find it a lot easier maybe to take it in my stride than I might have if I was a 30-year-old, I think. Uh, it, it's certainly something we've, I've been, I spent a lot of time talking with my daughter Annabelle about. She's 18 now and finds herself at the helm of a $3.2 million TikTok follow account. So uh, staying grounded and, and appreciating that the trolls do find you, but so overwhelmed by love and good wishes that, it's, um, that you, you, you kind of have to take them both in your stride without getting <laughs> overwhelmed by it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think success and popularity on those kind of platforms brings brings out the worst of people as much as it brings out the best of people and that is just part of it. Annabelle can get a hundred comments about how wonderful she is and then she can get one that says her voice is annoying and that's the one that sticks. Yeah. And I think the same is true really for my, my experience with social media is that overwhelmingly, like overwhelmingly it's filled with good people of good intention uh, but it doesn't take many uh, of, of bad intention to really sour everybody's experience with the whole thing. Yeah, well said. But it, it, like social media for all its faults, man, we, we have this community attached to the page uh, called Sticky Friends. Um, I was being inundated with kind of friend requests on Facebook and I said I'm not going to do that but I'll start this thing called Sticky Friends where we can all be each other's friends in this private group safe space heavily moderated safe space so the trolls can't get in and and there's now 15,000 people there who just share these stories of support and love and this is what's happening in my life look at the lollies I bought look at and it's it's just it's kind of a marvelous thing to 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 look at and be part of how incredible so I guess it's not um a stretch to say that at the beginning of last year you had no idea that this would this was going to happen. Oh, before COVID came? Yeah. No, no, no. I, we, we, I just, I was making, we were just running the business as we always had. It, it was not, a, it was not a plan. 
It, it really was once everything had disappeared, it was a, a Hail Mary, what have we got to lose? Necessity is the mother of invention. Stick a phone on it up against the glass. We didn't even have a tripod yeah. and see what happens. There's nowhere further down to go. So, But I think we've kind of tapped into something a little bit wild and extraordinary. Absolutely. So. Sounds like that. So, I mean, that's an extraordinary story on its own. And I'm just wondering, you know, with growth um, in that area of the business, obviously there's other aspects of the business that then have to continue as well. I'm just wondering in what other ways you use technology to help the business um, navigate through that really fast amount of change? Uh, there's kind of two, two parts to that answer. I think uh, the first one is the logistics of changing from a bricks and mortar store into an online retailer. Um, and there's, <clears throat> there's, there's two big hurdles to get over there. One is uh, making your online presence, your website essentially, off, off the platforms, but your, your website robust enough um, to deal with it, um, and the other one is the logistics around coordinating your your online presence with Australia Post and working out and, and restaffing and retooling and redirecting resources so that your product, uh, which traditionally sat on a shelf and someone would pick up and bring to the counter, is now is now needs to be packed and shipped and booked and sent overseas. About 90% of what we do now is, is for export. So pivoting that way, the, the logistics around that uh, was probably the hardest part of, of the whole thing. The unique difficulties in this time as well around constantly changing legislation. And, and I know Zero's got something to do with this podcast, but I give a shout out to them. There's this, and, it, and it's a bit of a parallel with social media in a way. Social media platforms give you access to the most powerful broadcasting network that has ever existed on earth and being involved with a, a platform like Zero gives you access to the world's best accounting process. And when legislation is as changing as quickly as it was around JobKeeper uh, and uh, business subsidies and everything that goes into it, you know, it, it was just my wife and I trying to navigate that space Without without a, a platform like Zero, it would have been terribly difficult. Yeah, and which which I would like to extend a few questions in that direction, actually, because I mean, our flying solo podcast is for solo business operators, um, and you know, at this time of year, it's very common to be looking at our systems and our processes and thinking where we can make change to support our businesses. I just wondered in, in regard to your ex recent experience, particularly what advice you'd give other small business owners who might be thinking about using Xero as a platform? Um, I, look, I don't think it's a substitute for a good bookkeeper. <laughs> we've, got, we've got the most wonderful bookkeeper who's been with us for almost as long as we've been open um, and having her there to help us navigate it. One of, one of the questions I did, did we talked about was um, uh, how does Xero help you manage your cash flow? What what zero does is it it is it's world's best accounting practice. So all of a sudden, navigating changes in legislation, and I've I've spent a bit of time talking to zero. It's a resource that a small business would never have had access to before the advent of that kind of cloud based accounting software. So uh, I, it's kind of crucial to who we are. I did just want to give a massive plug to Cindy Drew, our bookkeeper. <laughs> she is she she is such a core part of our business. So important. And I guess the last question, I could talk to you about your social media experience at length, <laughs> but I guess, you know, um, what do you think 
last year's experience then has brought to the way that you're thinking about continuing the business for the long term? Has it taught you any lessons? It's changed the way I think about success. And I've spoken to a lot of small businesses and I think the same, I'm getting a similar message, is that, you know, 2020 was just about survival, getting to the other side, keeping people employed. It was a really exciting moment for me when we took on, when we grown to the point where we could take on someone new uh, and then take on a few more and then take on a small additional premises to handle with the logistics. And so, but growth was never the target for 2020. Um, and it's maybe changed the way I think about what success is sometimes. We're all at the mercy of forces you can't control. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, I honestly believe now it's not the car you drive. It's, it's you know, can you, can you survive in a, a difficult, sometimes almost impossible environment? David, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Um, we'll have to get you back on the podcast another time, I think, to discuss some other things at length. But congratulations with your incredible success. Thank you. Look, you know, when I, when I look at 2021 and beyond, uh, I don't know exact. I don't know where the world's going. I have no idea. It's a one of the interesting questions, probably for anyone who's done well in this in this period, is you know what what does investment look like? What does growth look like? Where do you where do you go from here? And there's such difficult questions to answer. Anyone out there who's running a small business in any sector at all, can I just give a massive tip of the hat? Because it's it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's sometimes the most rewarding thing you can possibly do, but it's um and it takes it does take some courage sometimes. Absolutely does. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all that and we hope to have you back very soon. Such a pleasure, Lucy. Thank you. <laughs>